You know, if you are new around here, it's kind of a standing tradition in our church family that on Mother's Day, I get to kind of tag along with my bride, Julie, who comes to speak. So join me in welcoming Julie up here. Thank you. Have you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. You know, <clears throat> Mother's Day is kind of a big deal, as you can tell. And as a church, we actually welcomed a new mom into our family who was already a part of our family. But this week, our worship director, Wesley Lunsford, and his wife, Stephanie, welcomed into our church family as well as their family their firstborn a son by the name of Kane Asher Lunsford. And so we're celebrating that this weekend. I think we have a picture of sweet baby Kane right there. And uh, I got to go. Oh, look at that. Sun's out, gun's out. Anyway, um, let me tell you, I've, I don't remember the last time I was that afraid. I was, it's been so long since I've held a baby, that newborn. I, I did not drop him. It was a win for everybody, but we are so excited for uh, Wesley and Stephanie. <laughs> when we saw the picture, though, I did think, like, wow, it's been a while since Matt <laughs> held the newborn. You know, he looked a little nervous in the picture, and that's okay. Thanks, That's honey. okay. We don't have a newborn coming anytime soon. So you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good, but I, I couldn't help it. It'd Thank be a great blessing, I know. It would but. be, yeah. <laughs> but it did make me remember um, back to when we did hold our newborn for the very first time. <laughs> and um, when, uh, you know, we became parents. Um, you know, we overnight went from being a young couple who only cared about ourselves to now being responsible for this thing, you know, this life that came in. We're now a family. And um, I don't know if you guys have been around very long, but if you've been around even a short time, you've probably already noticed that Mac is a crier. And um, I say that in the most manly way, you know. I'm a very masculine crier. How, yeah. Do we have any other men who cry in the house? Let me just see a show of hands. That's I, awesome. Everybody just raise your hand. You're eligible for spiritual leadership at Lake Hills Church. I, I didn't mean that negatively. I, I'm just making an observation. And so, Mac, though, <laughs> I do. I cry he, at the drop of the hat. I don't care. I will cry on you. And he will drop the cry on you. He will, yeah, say it loud and cry it proud. He will. But he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and that is wonderful. Thanks, honey. Um, but I, on the other hand, feel those emotions, but do not show those emotions quite as readily You claim as, to sh feel those emotions. Yeah, I have feelings. <laughs> I have feelings. I'm just not like Fountain Boy over here. So, you know, I'm sorry. I, I cry maybe when I'm alone or something. But when Emily was born, I meant that in love. <laughs> I took it in love. It's like one of your superpowers. Yeah, there you go. Um, but when Emily was born, I remember, like, not crying at all. So they, you know, they hand you the baby, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Fountain Boy is over in the corner. Oh, I mean, he is sobbing, boo-hooing, and I'm like. But you know what? We, we should have known that that was going to be the case. When we, when we were going through the childbirth classes, I don't even remember if it was technically Lamaze or not. Those classes, you know, they go on and on and on and on. and I mean, they last forever. But anyway, if it sounds like I'm bitter, it's only because I was. But in our, in our, in our uh, birthing classes, the, the instructor, you know, I don't know where they find these people, but she was like, now, dads, when mom goes into labor, 
You're going to need to be ready to just be there to soothe and to comfort. You may want to begin massaging her shoulders, rubbing her back, or possibly even rubbing her feet to kind of help her to relax. And Julie looks over at me and she goes, if you touch me, I will kill you. I need a little space. Um, and so, so when they hand us this baby, you know, I'm just like, oh, this is so fantastic. This is amazing. I'm overwhelmed. I'm excited. And, um, you know, sobbing, sobbing, boo-hooing, boo-hooing. But I do remember when my mother left. Um, she had stayed for a week after Emily was born and to help us make the transition into our, you know, new home. And so she left and we both boo-hooed. Don't oh, go, Kathy. Kathy, no. We sobbed. We cried because I remember being so overwhelmed at that moment thinking, oh, my word. This is now our responsibility. <laughs> this is a little bit overwhelming because even though my degree was in, you know, education, special ed, I had all these child management classes, all this kind of stuff, behavior management, I'd done all this stuff. I knew nothing about being a mom. And yes, I was afraid. And yes, those were real fears and real tears that I cried. <laughs> and so when Mac and I were talking about what we were going to speak on today and when, um, uh, we were saying, do we want to stay with the series of Carry On or do we want to maybe interrupt it and do something different? I said, Mac, I can think of no better verse for mothers around the world than Joshua 1.9. And here it is. This is my command, moms. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm. Every mom on the planet at some time has been afraid and has been discouraged. Maybe many points in time you have felt afraid or you have felt discouraged. We want to rally around you today, moms. We want to cheer you on. And our prayer is that you walk out of here today not remembering the fear and the discouragement, but that you walk out courageous and confident. Not because the fear is gone. Because you've heard before, courage is not the absence of fear. But in reality, courage is looking fear in the face. It may be a two-year-old. It may be a teenager. <laughs> it may be a sassy preteen. But you look fear in the face and you tell him or her, I will not give up. I will continue mothering. Typically, my teeth are clenched when I say that. <laughs> But I try to put a fake smile on. That's my kid's pet peeve when I'm mad, but I'm still smiling. But I always think, you really, it would be hard to murder somebody if you're smiling. And so I think, yeah, I will not give up. I will keep on parenting you. You are a blessing. And I will not quit. For the Lord my God is with me. Get to your room. And so that's what we want to leave you with. We're not getting rid of the fear. We're not getting rid of the um, discouragement. We're just saying you take the bull by the horns and you wrestle that thing to the ground if need be. <laughs> because. Metaphorically speaking. Well, mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, metaphorically. That's what I meant to say. But here's what we know to be true. We don't know every single situation in here. But we do serve the God who does. And so as we go to God's word today, as we continue to go through Joshua, and as we carry on, our prayer is that you allow 
God's word to penetrate your life right where you are. That's the miracle of scripture. Scripture transcends age, life stage, situation, or circumstance. This scripture will miraculously go into your life and touch you right where you need it. Yeah. And if you allow God to come into you, your life through the Holy Spirit and use this scripture, then you can walk out of here courageous. You can walk out of here confident because no matter what you face, out there, maybe before you ever make it home, no matter what, you can know the Lord my God is with me and his desire is that I live with courage and that I walk with confidence. You know, I remember as a kid, I grew up, I was in one of those homes uh, where we went to church every single Sunday. And I'm not talking about just Sunday morning. Oh, no, no. Nay, nay. I'm talking about Sunday morning and Sunday night. How many Sunday night church folks do we have growing up? Okay, everybody's got your hand up right now. Can we just say a personal prayer of thanksgiving that we don't do Sunday night church anymore? Nobody wanted to go on Sunday night. The preacher didn't. The deacons just were there out of guilt. Nobody, but we went every single Sunday. But here's one thing that I did learn from that incredible blessing. I remember coming home from church and my mom had gotten something out of the sermon. I remember that our pastor, Ed Young in Houston at Second Baptist, taught the Bible, and I got something out of the sermon when I was in sixth grade, and I remember God just kind of dropping something on me at some point around that when I realized there's something miraculous about the Bible. There's something when God uses his word in somebody's life, there's something miraculous no matter where you are. There's something there for you. No matter how old you are, how young you are, what you're struggling with, what your victories are, there is something miraculous about the Word of God. And so when Julie and I began praying and preparing for this weekend, we said, okay, in this series carry-on that we've been in, we've kind of brought the narrative up to the point where Israel is getting ready to cross the Jordan River. And then we went actually to the Scripture in Joshua chapter number 3 and found that this is actually perfect for moms but it's also perfect for every single one of us it's not limited to moms today but look at what happens as they're getting ready they're about to cross into the promised land fulfilling centuries of prophecy of covenant promise from God to the nation of Israel Joshua chapter 3 verse 3 God says to the nation of Israel when you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Now, it's important to understand that the Ark of the Covenant for the nation of Israel represents the presence and the leadership of God. Prior to this point, Israel's been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. They've been following a pillar of fire by day and a cloud of smoke, a pillar of fire at night, a cloud of smoke during the day. But from this moment forward, they will be led by the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark was the supernaturally designed box that carried the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. It carried a sample of manna that they had eaten while they were in the wilderness that God had supernaturally provided, as well as Aaron's rod. So the Ark of the Covenant was a big deal. It represented the presence of God Almighty for Israel. And it moves on in verse 4. Check this out. Since you have never traveled this way before, 
they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. So God says, okay, you're about to go into the promised land. It sounds great, but you've never been this way before. Can you imagine a greater description of motherhood? It's, it sounds great, but you have never been this way before. Like Julie was talking about when we brought Emily home from the hospital. But what's been interesting too, at every progressive stage in the lives of our kids, there's been a new transition for us to make as parents, and I think especially for you as a mom, to, to say, okay, they've been home all day, every day, and now all of a sudden they go to elementary school. Transition time. Now they move from middle school into high school, and they're gone all day, every day, and a lot of nights they're gone, and we don't see them. They just cost more money. Then all of a sudden they go to college. <coughs> and so now this progression at every step along the way. We have never been this way before, but following the presence of God is the key to going where you've never gone before. As God told them, keep your distance between yourself and the ark. And this is really important. For the nation of Israel, the ark of the covenant represented the presence, the holiness of God. And so it was not to be trifled with. You would never have heard an Israelite talking about his prayers that morning to the man upstairs. <laughs> I was talking to the big guy the other day, the man upstairs. There was a reverence in the nation of Israel that I think, honestly, a lot of times we've lost. And, you know, my, you know God's my co-pilot. God is not your co-pilot, cuz. God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is to be revered. He is to be honored and worshiped. Now, to be sure, he is relational. But he is God, and we are not. That's why God told Israel, keep this distance between you and the ark, and it will lead you. But in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, God says something to Joshua that I think is especially important for moms. Joshua 3, 7, this is what the Bible says. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Moms, today God will make you a great mom in the eyes of your children. They will know that he is with you from this day forward. What an incredible promise. Here's Joshua, as we've already seen, he's taking over from Moses. I mean, Moses is in the Hall of Fame. Of whatever, whatever Bible Hall of Fame you want to create, Moses is going to be there. And God promises Joshua, I will make you a great leader in the eyes of all Israel. Um, so God lifts up those that he calls out. Yeah. He calls out moms to step up and step into the responsibility of motherhood. And so, and, but I, that's, that's not a small deal. The, the, it's a calling if you're a mom, you're called to it. God gave you that child deliberately, purposefully. And I know sometimes it may be hard to remember that, kind of like this did not come from God. Promise you, that child and your calling as a mom is from God. And so, as Julie just said, God lifts up the called out. 
When he gives you this calling, he will lift you up and give you that humble authority to actually lead like he did Joshua. But, you know, it's overwhelming if you really consider the responsibility of motherhood. And we really lean into that and, um, you know, try to wrap our brains around the responsibility. The natural response then is fear because it is a large task. But God says, I will come along with you wherever you go. So is the task too big for me? Absolutely. But that's why God does not leave me out there to do it on my own. Um, He comes up and lifts me up and will give me the strength, the wisdom, the discernment, all that I need, the extra energy, the extra capacity to do this calling. You know, many times people wonder, uh, what is my calling? What am I supposed to be doing? What is God's will for my life? Well, if you're a mom, you know you've got that calling. And so you don't have to wonder about it. Embrace it, lean into it, and be sure that you are girding yourself with God's word, that you are allowing him to lift you up because he has called you out. Um, I have two sisters. I'm in the middle. I'm the nice one. And (laughs) so they are in Mississippi, so they cannot dispute that. They, I'm sure, would agree. Um, But both of my sisters have families. And um, we all three, you can definitely tell we're related, but we are very different. My two sisters, though, are both incredible cooks. They cook every meal. Are you kidding me? That is amazing to me. And they cook like from scratch. My older sister in particular, she cooks lamb, fish, I mean, all this stuff. She, you know, uses real recipes with more than five ingredients, all kinds of stuff. And so her daughter, she had fixed breakfast for her daughter. And her daughter said to her, Mom, these don't taste like Aunt Julie's pigs in a blanket. So my sister... Yes, I'm the sister who never cooks a thing. And so what we realized, though, was when we're all together at Christmas, when we're all together in the summer, I call all the children in, and we all make pigs in a blanket together. They participate in the making of the pigs in a blanket, which makes them taste even better. And so as I was thinking about this, as you know, God was calling the Israelites, leading them across the Jordan, I thought to myself, you know what? How come God didn't just beam them over? Because, you know, they were probably tired. And they had been in the wilderness a long time. And God could have just said, and they would be over the Jordan. But then I remembered that just like Sophie enjoyed the food so much better when she participated in it, I believe that God invites us to participate in miracles and that we enjoy the miracles and we see the miracles that much more when we participate in them. Does God need us to do the supernatural, to do unbelievable things? Absolutely not. He can certainly handle it on his own, but he does invite us to participate. But when he invites us, just as he invited the Israelites to participate in crossing the Jordan, All he asked them to do was take a step. All he asked them to do was to take a step into the water. That doesn't seem like a big deal. It's something that they were completely capable of doing. But as God lifts up the called out, the called out must step up. 
You see, when God gives you children, he doesn't ask for perfection, but he does require participation. You know, and I think too, Julie, it's on Mother's Day, when you think about this idea of God lifting up the called out, you, you have to address that, I think, especially to single moms. I think, you know, one of the things that, that I got to see a single mom firsthand, because I, my brothers and I were raised by a single mom, from the time I was 12 all the way through, um, my mom had three boys by herself, and my brothers were a handful. And um, Pat and Gil and I, though, saw this lived out. We saw how God lifted up the called out. My mom didn't ask to be a single mom, by the way. That was brought into our situation, you know, by choices that were made by my dad and that sort of thing. But what we did see was how God filled in the blanks. What we did see was what was possible in a mom who was following behind God, I mean, with everything that she had, and God lifted her up because he had called her out. And it was a powerful, powerful lesson to me that I didn't even realize we were getting at the time. I was, you know, I was 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, <coughs> but we saw this lived out every single day. My mom raised three boys by herself, all three of us are relatively contributing members of society. All three of us married incredible, godly women, our parents on our own, are still married. We have broken and defied every single odd of divorce that you can name by the grace of God and a praying single mom. You want to talk about God lifting up the called out? I've seen it work and I've seen it happen. So if you're a single mom, first of all, hats off to you for doing what you do day in and day out, night in and night out, and know that God is bigger than what may be missing in your home. And I can assure you that there were days when your mom was afraid, that there were times when she was discouraged, but she did not As I settle. said, my brothers were hard. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you had nothing. You were, you were helping helper. lift up. I'm I was sure. a helper. But she never quit. Yeah. And she took that step every day. And that is why you see God do supernatural things in their family. That is why... You know, going back to the beginning of this series, Carry On, I gave you a working definition, and not everybody was here on the first Sunday for this series. I want to give you the working definition of courage again, okay? My mom embodied that. My bride embodies it day in and day out. Courage is mean-spirited tenacity rooted in the character of God. You need to write that stuff down. That, that is, I'm telling you, you ought to tweet that. Mean-spirited tenacity rooted in the character of God. That's courage. And it takes courage, just like it did if we continue reading about um, the Israelites. You know, they were on this side of the Jordan, and the promised land was over here, and they had been in the wilderness for a long time, and God was saying, okay, it's time. It's time to go into the promised land. But... To get to the promised land, you must cross the Jordan River. And God's timing, it's unbelievable how he called them at the time when the river was at its highest. It was the harvest season. This is in Joshua 3. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, 
the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called a dam, which is near, I don't know how to say that. And the water below that point, it's really not relevant. And the water, I mean, I'm sure it is to the people who live there. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed, the perfect space needed, was dry. Then all of the people crossed over to the town of Jericho. Now, God was ready to do his thing. He had told these people for centuries, I'm going to give you the promised land. This land will be yours. They had wandered in the wilderness, and he said, the time is now. Step in. Step in? But can't we wait? I mean, because this is the flood season, so if we wait, we won't even have to, you know, it won't be scary anymore. We can probably do this. He said, uh-uh, step in. You see, he lifts up the called out, but the called out have to step up. The called out have to be willing to stay with God and to take those difficult steps when they look impossible, when they are unconventional. For instance, raising children in the world today, there are decisions that Mac and I make that are quite unconventional and quite countercultural, but we believe that God has given us a direction for our family, and so we make those decisions even when they're unconventional. Because God calls us just to take the next step. See, it may be unconventional, but it's always possible. See, it was very possible. God was asking them to do something that was certainly within their power. Just step in. Are you sure? Yeah, step in. You know, when the priests stepped into the Jordan River, and the Bible says that it began, the water began piling up at a town near Adam, or Adam, which is kind of funny that the water stopped at a town named Adam. But anyway, <laughs> um, I hate it when I distract myself. <laughs> but a dam was somewhere between 10 and 20 miles upstream from Jericho. So when they put their feet in the river, 10 miles upstream, God was already moving and preparing and doing what he knew needed to happen for them to cross the Jordan River. And again, he didn't need them to do the super, supernatural, but he invited them to participate. And if you want to see supernatural things in your home, if you believe God is calling you out to live a Christ-centered life in this world today, which we do believe God wants that for you, then you have to be willing to step up. You have to be willing to be unconventional. You have to be willing to say, you know what, we're going to do it God's way no matter what. God's way may seem weird to those around us, but that's okay because we believe that once we step Step in, he's going to do the supernatural. And that is the same God that we serve today. And we have seen God in couples around. They are in the wilderness. We've seen marriages that could have settled for the wilderness. But they said, no, we want the promised land. We want that promised marriage. We want a full life. And so you know what they did? They didn't settle for the wilderness. They looked for the presence of God and they said, we're going to step up and we're going to follow God's ways and we're going to stick it out with that mean-spirited tenacity. And guess what? God delivered them to the promised land. We've seen people who had children, young, early teen years.
teachers and were making all sorts of bad decisions. And the parents were saying, you know, we don't know what to do, but we're not going to settle for the wilderness. We're going to continue fighting. We're going to continue telling our children we believe in them and that God's ways are the best ways. We're going to step up and we're going to allow God to do the supernatural. Many of you have gotten so used to your wilderness that you've settled for living there. And God says, I have so much more for you. In John 10, 10, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage, your joy, your relationship with your children. But then Jesus says, I have come, though. Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full. That's the promised land. Don't settle for the wilderness. You pick your head up and you say, God, what's my promised land? I'm going to follow your presence to get there. And I also want to show you that when they all moved over together, when all of the Israelites traveled over, they stayed together. And as a group, they sought the presence of God. They followed the presence of God. If you're a mom and you're standing up for your family and you're saying, I want to do things God's way, I want to raise my family in God's house and I want to do it the way he desires for me to do it, then you better surround yourself with other moms and with people in your life who are also seeking God's presence. Because when I get frustrated with Mac that one time, um, and <laughs> I complain to a friend, and I go, ah, oh, he is driving me crazy. Hypothetical. And you know what? I need to make sure my friend is saying, well, did you talk to him about it? Because I believe that you don't need to stay there. Don't stay frustrated. Talk about it. And I need people who encourage me when I say, you know what? I'm, uh, my kids are kind of driving me crazy. I need people to say, you know what, though? You got this. You stick at it. Don't give up. You keep at it. You keep at it. You use that stubborn that everybody thinks is bad, and you turn it to good and make it perseverance. <laughs> and so you stay at it. Surround yourself with people who are also following God's presence, and don't settle for the wilderness. Many of you have adult children, and you say, you know, my kids are in the wilderness, and Maybe you're, you feel like your life is at the flood stage. I want to encourage you. Just step one day at a time. Keep praying. Keep at it. Don't stop. You take that mean-spirited tenacity and you turn it into your prayer life and you say, I will not quit. Do not grow weary in doing good for in the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give. You have to say it with gritted teeth. And next time you read that Bible verse, you're going to be reading it like this. Do not give up. I think it's really fascinating as you read this, this narrative, this historical account of Israel crossing the Jordan River, that when they crossed it, Joshua picked 12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them each to pick up a rock. He said stone. But he said, he said pick up a stone and bring it with you and we will build a monument to this moment. We will build a monument to the faithfulness of God of bringing us out of Egyptian slavery, bringing us out of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and bringing us into the promised land. And it's this incredible moment of fulfillment and centuries of prophecy, the movement of God and God moving through the nation of Israel, ultimately in the person of Jesus 
thousands, 14, 1500 years later. But in this moment, Joshua did something so profound. And look at what he says in Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. And he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. So in the midst of this historical sweeping narrative, Joshua says, don't forget your kids. Don't. Don't miss this opportunity, this teachable moment to point them to the faithfulness and the goodness of God Almighty. And as a matter of fact, we're, we're going to build a monument to that faithfulness. And we're going to remind ourselves of exactly who God is and what he did in bringing us into the promised land. Specifically for our children, for our kids. So, yes, God lifts up. The called out. And yes, the called out must step up. But never forget that the called out must also pass it on. We must be intentional and deliberate about passing on this covenant relationship to the next generation. To those, if we have kids, our kids. That we point them toward Christ. You know, we did the parent-child dedication earlier in the service. And that was a moment for those parents to commit themselves for our church, to commit to them. But it's always about the next generation of followers of Christ. And it, you, like you said, it's not limited to parents. No. As Christ followers, we are called, we are commanded, we are compelled to share that with the next generation. With our children that we have and with their friends and with children around us. It is what we're supposed to do. And um, we have a ministry in our church that actually comes alongside moms because oftentimes when we talk about teaching the Bible or teaching our faith to our children, that's an intimidating concept. Or we just talk about raising kids in a godly home today. It's an overwhelming concept. And so we want to walk alongside you. We want to cheer you on. We want to rally around you. We want to provide that crowd around you that's also seeking God's presence to raise our kids. And so we are launching in the fall Fearless Mom. Fearless Mom is a ministry for moms no matter where you are in your mom journey, whether you have a toddler, a newborn, whether you have grandkids, wherever you are. It's rallying moms together to cheer one another on with biblical, practical parenting skills and connecting with other moms. And so the registration will open tomorrow. We're also adding a layer. We've had for eight years our mom-to-mom -mom ministry, and it is so fantastic but this year, we have chosen to layer in and to do our own curriculum. So that's why we've changed to Fearless Mom. We're going to make all of that teaching available online so that we can help as many moms as possible. Because what we've seen is that moms, when they stay home, even if they go to work, in this role of motherhood, if the enemy can make a mom feel alone or isolated,
isolated. Then he can make her feel ashamed. And at that point, he's got her because she's not reaching out for help. She will be stuck in the wilderness. And our goal, our passion is to come around these moms and say, you're not alone. You know what? This is a judgment-free, guilt-free zone. Come on in here and tell us how you don't know what you're doing. And we'll stand by you and say, we don't know what we're doing either. But we're all not doing it together. So <laughs> let's try. And we'll cheer each other on and move into that promised land. And so that's Fearless Mom. And we encourage you to get registered. Connect with other moms. If you know a mom, we encourage you to let her know about it. And then if you maybe can't join us on Wednesday mornings, then look that up and be a part of fearlessmom.com so that you can know that you're not alone. And the registration opens at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah, Very absolutely. Cool. And really and truly, Fearless Mom is an outgrowth of the church and, and the vision that God has given us because as, as you read scripture, as you look at the role that the church plays in the family, the church is the backstop to mom and dad. The church is to equip and support and encourage moms and dads to be that primary line of defense, that first line of defense and that first line of empowering our kids to grow in a relationship with Christ. And, you know, the story of Israel is, is actual. It actually happened. I, I hesitate to use the word story because it sounds like a myth or a legend, but this actually happened, as I said, about 1,400 years before Christ walked on the earth, but the story of Israel is all about relationship. It's all about that relationship with God. It's about knowing him, about loving him and being loved by him. It was never intended to be just about the rules and the regulations of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are there to support the relationship. And then fast forward to the life of Jesus. Jesus is ultimately relational. Yes, he walked on the earth like one of us. Yes, he taught and he preached and he healed and he performed miracles. But all of those things were secondary to the relationship, the relationship that he has invited us into. And I think on this Mother's Day especially, it can be incredibly overwhelming. It can be exhausting only if you're doing it right. It can be all of those kind of things. That was a joke. <laughs> but it can be all of those things. But I want to just point you finally and ultimately to Jesus himself. To Jesus himself who said these words. He said, if you are tired and burdened, come to me and you will find rest. Come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus Christ invites you, he invites me into this relationship with him. Life can be overwhelming, but he invites us into this relationship with him so that he then is walking with us and we have then his power, his authority, the same authority and power that was represented in the Ark of the Covenant that Israel was to stay a full half mile behind is now with us in Jesus and it's about that relationship it's about knowing him personally and so yes it's Mother's Day yes we've 
written a very, very touching Mother's Day song, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's always about Jesus. It's always about relationship with him. And if you're here today and you have never stepped into that relationship personally and definitively, <coughs> then in just a moment, as a church, we want to give you that opportunity. <coughs> we want to invite you to respond to his grace. And it may surprise you to learn it doesn't take an elaborate ceremony. You don't have to pass a class. You just have to have a willing heart that responds to his grace personally and definitively. I want to ask you, if you will, bow your heads for just a moment. And as you do, if you're here today and you have never taken that step personally, then why not now? As a church, we invite you, we want to actually lovingly challenge you to respond to God's grace initiative just by praying right where you are, a prayer of commitment, a prayer of relationship, just in your own words, talk to God silently right where you are and just say, Jesus, I need you. And so right here, right now, I claim your forgiveness. I confess my sin to you. I choose to believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again for me. And so in exchange for your life, I give you mine. Right now, once and for all. I want to just ask you to remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for another moment. But if that was your prayer, and you meant it for the first time in your life, that prayer of commitment. Then I want to invite you during this sacred time with nobody moving or stirring for any reason to be a distraction. If that was your prayer, then just silently, if you would, just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for just a moment. And I want to tell you why. It's for you to mark this moment, the most important moment in your life. So as you hold your hand up, just know that there will come another moment where you will ask the question, was that real? Did that really happen? And you need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God did that in your life once and for all, that it was real on that Mother's Day, May 11th, 2014. You responded to the grace of God. And so that's what this moment is for. For us as a church family, we have no greater privilege or honor or joy than to see even one person respond to the grace of God. The Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when one person steps into that relationship. So as you put your hands down, as a church family, we like to put our hands together to tell you welcome home. Welcome home on this Mother's Day 2014.